Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing It in Real Estate. This week we have Vivian Tran. Vivian Tran is a real estate investor located in New York. Vivian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Can you kind of introduce yourself and tell us how you got into your real estate journey? Um, that journey started, I think, oh, almost, not almost, actually over 10 years ago, I would have to say. Um, it was, um, funny enough, it was not the intended route. At that time, I had just graduated high school and to college, and um, and it all started with the um, my mom being very Chinese and saying that she did not want me paying somebody else's rent or somebody else's mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we we came together and we and we agreed that um, we would almost basically be partners in the first investment mm-hmm. and so that's how that started um, and mm-hmm. when we got our first property I it, something just came over me this entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. came over me and I'm thinking wow you know not only do I I don't have to pay somebody else's mortgage someone's paying my mortgage because I, mm-hmm. we bought a uh, multifamily so uh, the original intent was for me to ha- live on one floor while we rented the other one the other floor out um but mm-hmm. then i i was such an entrepreneurial spirit that i still i didn't live in the apartment i rented both out and then i went out and i got roommates oh wow that's a that's a really <laughs> journey very happy you got into it uh, so your first strategy obviously you tried to start with house hacking which is a common strategy for early real estate investors to use to really get into the real estate field, learn how to manage a property while living for free. Um, it's a great strategy to get into. It's called house hacking. Highly recommend that. Um, so what, what year was this and what location was this? You mentioned um, 10 years ago, so 2009. Is that right? Exactly. It was exactly 2009. So I, it was right in the middle of the whole recession. Um, and uh, I guess in my, looking back on it, I would say it was really be, just being in the right time, like the right place at the yeah. right time. And this was in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, wow. That's almost like mm-hmm. the most, looking back now, it's like that's the most <laughs> ideal time to buy. You know, mm-hmm. everything's on a discount. There's a lot of fear in the market, just like how it is today. There's a lot of fear in this market too, especially given the coronavirus situation. I understand. And yes, speaking of, so I actually recognized it. So had I not had my first experience, um, I would have n- not recognized what we were going through now. And so last month I was actually in the middle of acquiring my third property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to, as we were heading, as I watched a familiar scene, you know, it happening, unraveling in front of me, I, I went to my real estate agent and I said, let's, let's take a pause for now. Um, I'm going to withdraw my offer and just to see how this COVID mm-hmm. plays out. Yeah. And I want to, 
I want to let our listeners know that Vivian also has a PhD. She's really well educated. <laughs> <laughs> You're very flattering. I'm, I'm like, if you could see me, I'm blushing. <laughs> so, are you still working your your W two job, or are you a full time real estate investor now? What is your journey like? Um, so I have this nonstop thrive. I have no idea where it comes from, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, during the day, I work at uh, Columbia University. So I'm an associate director at one of the departments at Columbia University. Mm-hmm. Um, but every moment I get, um, I don't, I'm, I'm doing one of my side projects, whether it's real estate investing, whether mm-hmm. it's um, wrapping up my dissertation manuscript or um, working on my book project it's mm-hmm. it's i don't let a moment spare to me a moment gone is a moment that i will never get back wow. and um i feel that that mentality just follows me everywhere mm-hmm. i was actually up and like middle of the night i'm thinking okay quarantine what am i doing okay so i'm i need to strategize mm-hmm. all right how am i going to look at this market what is my next what are going to be my next steps it's just mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to use every moment I can. That's awesome. I mean, for our listeners yeah. listening, don't don't let anything stop you from reaching your goal of becoming a real estate investor. We have Vivian, PhD, <laughs> working on her, her book, her, her projects, and still becoming a very successful real estate investor. So you are really only limited by your mindset. You're not limited by your definitely. Circle. You're only limited by your mindset. And, you know, most people mm-hmm. that, that start into real estate always come up with a lot of different reasons why they can't start. And one of the biggest things is, like, I don't have time. You know, I don't have money. You know, but for you, we know that, you know, going through a PhD program, being director at Columbia and, you know, writing a book and all the fun stuff, that you still made the time to do it. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. It's and I a lot of um, I, another frequent comment I would hear from within my network is um, I there's no opportunity because I, you know the, it's you're you're the lucky one and I tell them I'm not the lucky one I'm the one that went and found the opportunity the opportunities are out there just just you just have to go out and keep looking for them. Yeah, I mean the, the great thing about real estate is like the more you gain knowledge and the more you understand how it works, the opportunities just come up because people have to understand that. Hold on. <coughs> Sorry. People have to understand that, okay. you know, it's not one size fit all, you know, every single mm-hmm. situation requires some sort of financial creativity with, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe working out seller financing with the owner or doing a debt partnership or, you know, a lot of different strategies that, that will work for different situations, but you only become aware of these strategies if you really, like, apply one strategy first, realize that it doesn't work, and then ask yourself the question, what is, what is the strategy work? And you, as you do that, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be able to find more information online and through other mentors and by talking to people and listening to podcasts. There's more than one way of doing things, and that's how you really evolve as a real estate investor. Right. And bouncing off ideas. I have to say, like, if looking back now, I mean, now I can almost say with confidence. Well, I, yes, I can pretty much say with confidence that I, um, 
I don't want to say that I have the upper hand with tenants mm-hmm. when managing tenants, but I definitely have a firm foot down. Um, I don't get taken advantage by my tenants. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ten years ago, um, I I would be I would be really just following them around, trying to yeah. please them. Yeah. Um, nowadays, it's it's a very equal, fair relationship. Mm-hmm. That's awesome to hear. So you know, you mentioned that your your mom and you partner in Boston in two thousand nine to buy your first multifamily. So walk us through your second and third and third deal. Like, how'd you get, how'd you how'd you find those? Um, how'd you finance <laughs> those? And what kind of lessons did you learn from them? Um, so my second deal actually didn't come until many years after, um, when, uh, and that's, I guess that's another thing is you have, you have to be patient. Like you always, nowadays with the internet and technology, we always want this in- instant gratification, but no, my second deal came a few years after, mm-hmm. um, where, um, my, the market slowly came back up mm-hmm. and the, the opportunity. I saw an opportunity once again. So then mm-hmm. in my second, uh, in my second property, what I did was I didn't do a traditional loan. I actually went and did a refinance. So oh, wow. I pulled, yes, I pulled money out, but, um, I'm sorry, let me take a step, a step back in securing the property. Uh, there is a lot of research that comes behind, um, the, uh, the, before you know, identifying the property, making sure it's the right fit meaning mm-hmm. the right fit for what you need. And for me, it's, I don't need the, um, the beautiful, modern, fully renovated uh, property. For me, it's an investment property. So mm-hmm. as long as it's, it's in a de- decent living condition and I understand what the market rates are, then that's, that's what I look for. Um, mm-hmm. And knowing that I am, I am, managing basically managing it remotely i'm physically in new york and all my properties are in boston um i have to understand um the type of tenants i'm looking for i'm looking for um very independent tenants um you know considered tenants i have multi-units there's a lot of um consideration and research done behind one one transaction yeah. Um, and then finding your real estate is also uh, the agent is also very, very important. Um, one that's able to um, uh, to take what you need and run with it so that I'm not constantly giving all these directions. I give one general concept and my agent runs with it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's absolutely amazing to hear that, you know, and you're so there's so many steps involved with getting into a real estate deal. It's you really mm-hmm. have to do your due diligence and really know yeah. who you're working with. You can't just trust the first person that you decide to work with. Um, mm-hmm. can't, you can't assume anything in real estate. I think the biggest mistake that you can make in real estate is assuming that everything's going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm a pessimistic investor where I'm like, yeah, nothing ever goes as planned you know and that's that's the best thing too about real estate investing is like you always wake up to something new you always wake up to find yourself that the strategy doesn't work and you have to pivot you know so your second property a couple years later um what year was this and was this located in, in new york now or is this still in boston 
Um, so it was in 2016 in California. So um, I was actually living in Los Angeles at the time. Wow. I went to Los Angeles for my grad school. And so um, I went and bought a property in the Bay Area. Oh, wow. Um, and again, thankfully, um, I did uh, a very thorough selection process. So I found a um, a very ideal tenant for um, the short amount of time. I actually flipped it um, a year later, a year and a half later, I flipped it and decided to um, just pack up and move back to New York. So I wanted to move all my assets back to uh, back to the East Coast in, in one consolidated area instead of no, I, I had this crazy vision where I would have a property in different parts. And so whenever I wanted to travel, I would have a free lodging. That was my, that was my original idea. But then it, it, I came to realize that wasn't as practical or, um, or sustainable as I had imagined. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's, so walk us through that. So so you moved to LA and then you bought a house in the Bay Area, which we need to dive deeper into this. So you bought a house. <laughs> so you moved to LA and you bought a house in the Bay, one of the most expensive markets in the, in the country. Uh, where was mm -hmm. this house at and why did you, did you decide to buy in the Bay while you're in LA? Um, LA was. I was in LA for, I had already been there for almost six years and I knew that, um, I, that it just wasn't a fit for me. Well, for my own personality, I'm that person that's, you know, just go, go, go. Um, and LA was very focused on a laid back work life balance kind of mentality. So I knew that I was going to stay in Los Angeles very long. At that point, it was a debate between, um, San Francisco and New York. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer the densely populated. So, so it was a matter of what I preferred. Um, and I have family in San Francisco. And so that was mm. the mentality of that add on, let's have a property everywhere so I get to travel and stay for free in different locations. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was, um, to your point, that was a trial and error. Uh, kind of move I tried it and it didn't um it wasn't as I had hoped mm -hmm. as ideal as it could be and so that's why then we changed plans that's it that's awesome Very simple. awesome and let's dive deeper into one of your deals so can you kind of walk us through what the purchase price was and what the rental uh income was so then you can give our listeners like a deep dive into what to expect from different markets um particularly um, dive into okay. your first deal trying to just give the listeners a rough idea what the cash flow was like back in you bought a property in 09 and then to your mm -hmm. property what is the cash flow like now like is it is it still a cash flowing a cash flowing type of area like is it still a cash flowing type of economy it's, like how's it work so can you want to walk us through 09 like what was that cash flow like in your numbers so again an 09 was um the right place, right time kind of moment with the economy, the way it was, um, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I had, um, so my mom and I had been looking around for some time and we actually stumbled onto a short sale. Mm -hmm. So my first transaction was not a direct sale. It was a short sale. Mm -hmm. Uh, and 
the so it was two family and the owner um at the time who was pre basically pre foreclosure uh it he i remember as we were going walking through the house he was um he was kind of defeated like and he was telling me how he bought it for 450,000 for mm-hmm. two family oh, wow. um but it was it was going on it was going on the onto the market for a hundred twenty. Hundred thousand. Which part of Boston was this? This was in Malden, Massachusetts. Okay, Malden. So, so it it wasn't a good area back then. It's a it's a yeah. much more developed area now. Yeah. Um, but back then it was not um it was not all that attractive. Mm-hmm. But um, but the price was very attractive. <laughs> of course. Yes. Okay. Yes, but then we had a few bidders, and I think the in then the final price came to a hundred and seventy. So at a hundred and seventy, you know, just coming out of college, that was affordable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, had it been four hundred half a million dollars back then, I don't think I would have been able to get you know, start this journey. Yeah. Wow. So you have yeah, just like that, you got about two hundred k equity, cash out refi. You know, rinse and repeat. So, what was the? Yeah. I would imagine the numbers for the SF property would be much, much higher than half a million. Oh yeah, <laughs> more than <laughs> half a million. <laughs> it was more than half a million. But then, by that time, I was already a working professional, so I had yeah. money saved up. And mm-hmm. so, um, I, yes, I took out. Uh, I did a cash out refi, and then I had to, on the side, add in more to bridge mm-hmm. the gap. And so the final price for that was uh, five forty. Five forty. What year was this? Two thousand sixteen. And so I, I think I lucked out because for two thousand seventeen, I don't, I'm not sure how well the audience pays attention to the market trends. Um, yeah. The last year, the last two years, the the it, the price has just shot up. Yeah. <laughs> Again, and I, I don't. I guess I, I don't look too much into detail. Mm-hmm. I just notice numbers because I'm in finance. So I'm just watching the graph yeah. spike up for the past Wait, two years. 540 at SF in 2016. What area was this? Uh, Richmond. Richmond. So it was border. It was borderline. It's on. It's borderline Richmond. And, um, and oh, I, I'm still going to get this wrong. It, it's Los Cerritos. But those. Um, I'll have to look it up, oh, but it's on the border you know, of a, I, Richmond City inside East Bay. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, but I was told that the it was on the borderline of a neighborhood that is um on a very nice neighborhood or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes. Just to clarify, so there's two Richmond districts. There's a Richmond oh, district okay. in San Francisco. Uh, which the, the medium prices in that neighborhood is like 1.2, 1.3. It's pretty high. Okay. Um, okay. There's Richmond City, uh, which is in the East Bay, north of Oakland, California, next to El Cerrito. Um, so that yes. area would that one. be considered to be up and coming. Um, it's a lot of, it's changing, rapidly changing area. So 540 for Richmond. All right. Congratulations. Are you still holding on to that property right now? Is it a rental property? No, I let that go. After a year, I I decided to move to New York, back to the East Coast. 
So in 2018, I moved back to the uh, to the East Coast, and I decided to put that property up for sale. Okay. Um, and within uh, within a year, I made almost a hundred grand. So, which is why I'm saying that whatever happened in the last two years in the market, it's I I got again I got really lucky. Oh wow! Congratulations. What are some of the lessons learned from you know buying that property versus like you know, obviously, let's just focus on the, the Richmond property. Uh, what are some mm-hmm. of the lessons that you learned while you're, while you're buying into it? And, you know, what were some of the mistakes that you made? Um, I would have to definitely say that I didn't do enough research on state laws and city ordinances. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very confident in myself because I had been, I had already been doing this for a number of years, right? But my mm-hmm. property was in Boston, Massachusetts, which has much, much different laws and regulations than Richmond, California. Um, And so I think uh, looking back, if I had done a deeper dive in understanding, um, oh, you have to be part of the the rental program or rent control unit program up in up in Richmond or at um, there were all these other ordinances, like the little things, um, the little do's and don'ts. And I may have, I may not have jumped in as quickly as I did. Okay. I mean, it means sounds like you've been very fortunate to make money every single one of your deals. So congratulations. <laughs> That's a lot better than a lot of investors starting out. So uh, props to that. So you mentioned that you've been a part of three real estate transactions. So where was the where was the third one? Was this one in New York? New York? Um, no. So at the, the by this time, I had realized that it's probably best um, long term wise, long term strategic wise. It's probably best to have all my properties cons- consolidated in one single area. So they're mm-hmm. all in um, the Boston Greater Metro area now. So that okay. as I expand my portfolio, my my future long-term is to hire or to get an actual team either it's a management property uh manage a property managed company or an actual property manager whatever that may be it's actually a lot um it's a lot easier to manage also more cost efficient if all my properties are in the same area okay yeah that makes a lot of sense you know Mm -hmm. trial and error and you found out uh that this works well for you to consolidate into one area uh, so, major mm-hmm. so we'll dive deeper into your, your uh, source of motivation. What, why, what, why do you invest into real estate? What is your biggest why? Um, I, so I think it's more of the entre, entrepreneurial spirit inside mm-hmm. me. I want to be a, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want mm-hmm. to be um, a boss that's giving orders instead of a worker yeah. that's taking orders. Um, and I, I think it just was a coincidence that it happened to be real estate. Um, I yeah. mean, I thought about other, uh, other type, um, other startups. Uh, I mean, I am working on one startup. Uh, <laughs> mm. It's, I, it's another side project. It's, it's like, I have all these never ending, but, um, but I get, I guess the um, I stumbled onto real estate, and then I just kept it and I ran with it, mm-hmm. and I incorporated it into um, my 
something that like a fire within mm-hmm. yeah if so, that makes sense yeah so basically your your why is uh it keeps you excited it keeps you motivated because it really brings out mm-hmm. your entrepreneurial passions about business it does and having real estate is is one of the many vehicles that you use to carry out that passion you know as you mentioned you know mm-hmm. you have a lot of different side projects side projects going on a lot of different startups going on so you're just a, you're just a natural born hustler you know you like <laughs> to hustle and you know find things that work well for you so major mm-hmm. props to that so what is your favorite book podcast or any other source of inspiration that you draw from oh that's uh that's a really good question i think i didn't anticipate that side that curveball (laughs) (laughs) um i'm not i have to be i have to be honest and confess even though i'm on a book project i'm not actually much of a reader (laughs) (laughs) but i am (laughs) but with um with the recent quarantine um a, mm-hmm. a status i mm-hmm. am actually starting to get into uh, um some podcasts thinking about oh i can just i can turn on a podcast while i'm doing chores or just mm-hmm. off the side that i'm listening in the background um do i have something specific i'm i don't have a specific host but um the topics usually relate to um professional development being a leader Mm-hmm. uh that that type um i'm also trying to um s- uh, subscribe to some other real estate podcasts too so mm-hmm. that i can kind of bounce ideas off i mean up until now it's all been based off my own experience and um in moving forward or building on to that but it would be it would be really helpful um and i'm starting to i subscribe to one mm-hmm. um uh, and I want to subscribe to a few more that's in the related field, just so I can I can get um, more innovative ideas. Yeah, I mean, I do have a couple that I can recommend. I like the bigger cash the bigger cash flow podcast. Um, okay. I was interviewing someone just before this podcast about that. Close <laughs> my bulk him. I have a buddy of mine that used to be my roommate. His name is uh, Sean Pan. He hosts the uh, Everything REI podcast. Everything real estate. Mm-hmm. So our listeners, uh, those are my favorite two that I constantly listen to, and kind of use that as an opportunity to develop my own um, personal knowledge, as well. But um, yeah, right. It's been a good chat with you on this podcast. So, what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you and find you? Um, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's uh, I believe it's linkedin.com slash Vivian VT. So Vivian Tran, my initials. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also appreciate a lot of support on my book project, which is really a fictional story, a fictional character based on um, true life events of myself mm-hmm. uh, as a second generation double minority mm-hmm. trying to make it in the US. Um, that is uh, facebook.com slash Asian duckling. The book is called Asian duckling, like a little spinoff, the ugly duckling. Yeah. Mm, Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you again for having me. Uh, Stay safe. Stay well. Mm -hmm. We'll get through this. Let's do it.